Welcome to the Pinelander Podcast, the official podcast of Pineland, broadcasting to you from an undisclosed location deep inside Pineland, where we discuss faith, family, finances, firearms, freedom, food, and everything else in between with those who believe in living free and living out the values that made this country free. Welcome to the Pinelander Podcast. My name is Paul LaFaver. I'm here with my ranger buddy, Mike Blackburn. Uh, and uh, we have brought into the G-Base for a special end of the year podcast. This is podcast number 56. Uh, I should have said uh, today is Friday, uh, the 30th of December. So we're year wrapping up this year. Yes, this is our yeah. year in review. What a year it's been. And so, yeah. So we're on a, we were taking a knee, facing out. And uh, lo and behold, uh, we had the uh, the near recognition signal was given by our very own uh, columnist Larry Schmidt. So, Larry, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for having me here. I appreciate it. <laughs> Gave the uh, far recognition signal a couple days ago, and then we got in in time. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't be too careful, you know, who you let in the G base, especially these days. Yeah, and and what. Wild and crazy days. These have been the days of high adventure. Uh, and looking back at 2022, what an amazing and interesting, strange year it's been. What do you some, think? It, well, in some respects, it's been it's been rather predictable. Um, yeah, you know, we kind of know what we've got as far as an administration, and so some of the stuff is like you know it, it comes out in the news, and you're kind of like, mm-hmm, yeah. You saw that, saw that, yeah, saw yeah. that coming. That's true, that's true. And uh, so what we wanted to do is kind of look back uh, retroactively at the year and just kind of resonate on a couple of topics that have uh, really become salient. Uh, and, you know, we kind of got our heads together and we looked at a few topics. Um, and I think uh, everyone that listening listening to this will that'll resonate with you and you say, Oh yeah, I remember that. But, uh, how do you want to start this off? I think, uh, I think we were trying to figure out the biggest thing. I I don't know. And you guys can argue with me if you want, but I think the biggest, one of the biggest things right now is the border crisis. That's just, Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you are, uh, unless you've been, you know, Rip Van Winkle, uh, sleep under a rock for the last, Two or three years, or, this would be a big deal. Or just listening to MSNBC every day and never coming yeah, out of your apartment. Yeah, what's the problem? There is no border <laughs> crisis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If well, you if you watch the if you watch legacy media, there is no border crisis. Everything hey, is a okay. Now that's funny, right? So, uh, I, and I want to get to Larry and get his take on all these things, but I just I have to snip this, uh, slip this in here. Uh, NBC. They actually say this, NBC of all people, they say the illegal border crossing, and I've, I've added that, uh, the illegal boarding cro- border crossing this year has topped 2.76 million. That's a record. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then they, they actually say this, that it's up from the previous annual record by 1 million. So just imagine that. And they, man, they blew that old record out of the wow. water. Good job, guys. And they were actually still using uh, Trump policies during the time with the state remain in Mexico policy and the uh, title 42 
which is supposed to be lifted here 22nd of December, Title 42 is over. Yeah, and, that is a uh, big term hey, so, right so here, here So here's the question, Larry. When Title 42 goes away, and even with Remain in Mexico, which I heard a federal judge just upheld. They did upheld it, yes. That is it really going to matter? I mean, are they still going to bust the record? I mean, it's even, still going to bust the record. But, uh, so I'll tell you what DHS said. DHS said, uh, who was the guy's name? Um, former former uh, immigration enforcement uh, leader under President Obama. I forget the guy's name. But he just he said under Obama, if they had 1,000 arrests a day, it would be a humanitarian crisis. DHS just last week forecasted 14,000 arrests a day starting the December 22nd when Title 42 is lifted. Wow. I mean, when you see... You know, obviously not on, you know, NBC, okay. But if you look at some of the um, media outlets that are actually down there doing the reporting, I mean, it's just phenomenal. Yeah. You know, the uh, the video coming out of these places. I yeah. mean, it's just crazy. Yeah, it is. It, it's, I mean, 14,000 arrests a day. Some estimates say there's three to one for arrests compared to people who get through. Okay, so you're looking at... Uh, 28 plus 14. I don't know. Somebody do math. It's 42,000. Don't do math. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and here's the other thing. I mean, just like what you just pointed out, we really don't even know the real numbers. They're estimates. Yeah. They're estimates. They're all estimates. Um, and El Paso is like out of control right now. Yeah, El Paso is crazy. Uh, Arizona's insane. Uh, New Mexico has problems. California's got problems. As, as a matter of fact, Governor uh, Newsom came out. He needs, uh, I forget how much money, because he wants to sustain all the social programs for the people crossing the border, um, he's, you know, over the summer, he said he's going to give them health care and all sorts of, you know, all this stuff. Naturally. Um, so he needs money to do that. Uh, they can't afford it right now in California. He's come out, said that last week, if I remember right. Uh, no, it would have been um, end of November, he said that. Uh, and not only that, not only, uh, but look at the drugs. I mean, it's just a crisis, not just in the terms of the metrics, the high volume of people that are coming across illegally. Uh, but just the drugs, the fentanyl. Fentanyl does uh, way up, way the up. The meth. Now, the, drug pro- the drugs are a problem, okay, and a lot of people are dying from the drugs, but I, there's a bigger problem, I think, at least in my mind, than the drugs because I think the majority of the people taking the drugs are probably adults. The, the big thing that really concerns me, and we just found out, is um, the sex trafficking. The underage, the human, uh, trafficking, the human trafficking of these minors. And we just had a whistleblower just come out recently talking about how, um, you know, the government is sort of in cahoots. The DHS is sort of in cahoots with um, a lot of illegal actors, cartels and what have you in this whole sort of sex trafficking, child trafficking um organization. Yeah. I don't know what else yeah. you call it. I mean, the thing is huge, but um, these kids are just, they're being um, handed over to people that we know are, are, you know, shady characters and um, there's money being transferred. So this is like, this is besides just the fentanyl and everything else. I mean, even that part of it, these kids, I mean, no one knows who these kids are. Yeah. We you have a whole bunch of kids that are nameless that, you know, there's no supervision over them. And they're just being brought into the country and being, you know, handed off to wherever they go to. God only knows where what happens to these kids. Yeah. So under the yeah. guy now, so just thinking away, maybe some woke tastic idiot would think, if I could, that's dangerous. But under the guise of <laughs> give it a try, everybody uh, come into America and uh, find that life of liberty and pursuit of happiness and all that good stuff, 
at the cost of these kids and at the cost of our sovereignty. Here's really my concern is can can it really be said that a nation has sovereignty without borders? I mean, think about that. I mean, if we don't have secure borders, how can how are we saying that we have sovereignty, security, safeguarding our liberties, all those good things? We along with these people that are coming in, who's to say these people are not uh, well, here, AQI here's, here, here's and the, all these other? Here's they, the question: arrested ninety six people off the terrorist watch list in the last exactly quarter, two quarters or something that across. Southern border inclusion. So that's a valid concern as well. I'm sorry. No, I was going to listen. You're here to Larry for a reason. I mean, this is the question that I would really like to, to have you respond to. And that is this thing looks very, very organized. This looks very, very intentional. I'd like to know, like, what are your feelings on this? Depending on what side you're on in this, this is a very successful operation or it's a nightmare. Yeah. So, um, Here's the, here's the deal with that with that type of thing. Okay, so you don't move that many people without some sort of coordination. Now, could you get into the conspiracy theory of uh, this is one political party pitted against another and stuff like that? And I think you do kind of tend to wade into conspiracy theory at some point along that spectrum. Um, wherever that point is, once we achieve conspiracy, then that, that's up for debate. But you, you still don't move... 14,000 people a day, get them into the court system, get them into, uh, into the country uh, by accident, okay? These people are not just walking here from El Salvador, okay? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, it, just, it doesn't happen just on its own. Yeah, you know, there was a guy that I saw an interesting question. I think it was on Getter or something. He was like, because, you know, they all have smartphones. Sure. So how do you walk? They're all going to the same board. They're how not do you coming. walk? How do you walk? Who's paying the bill? They're all on smartphones all the way up from where they start in South America all the way up to, you know, the southern border. And they're on their phone constantly. Sure. How, how are they doing that one? Yeah, I, you know, it, whether or not it's a, a – and I do think there is a level of operation here. Uh, the cartels are doing a lot of this stuff. That's been – the DHS has said that. that. That's fact. Like, we have figured that out. Okay, the DHS has come out and said the cartels are doing a lot of this human trafficking, getting the drugs across and all that stuff. What you have to look at is what is the end game politically. So if you're a leftist, to your question, can you have sovereignty without borders? Well, a leftist would say, yeah, because global, global governance is the goal. Uh, a, a conservative would say, you know, no, you cannot have sovereignty without borders because global governance is not the solution here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, individual liberty and freedom is what is, uh, you know, the goal. Power of the, the people. Conservative, yeah. right? So At any cost. <laughs> can... Can one political affiliation play it against the other? Sure. I, you know, I just don't know exactly how much that is. One thing that ties into this that is a, a recent story of the year, since it's the year in review, is um, the Alexander uh, Boot, the Russian arms dealer mm-hmm. that was traded for uh, the WNBA basketball player there over there in Russia. The Lord of War. Um, you know how they caught him? Yeah. The DA caught him trying to sell weapons to the cartels. To, uh, to um, you know, anti-air weapons mm. to shoot down DA helicopters mm. down south. So, I mean, that that all goes right back into this whole border thing, you know. Well, he's an interesting character, too, because I've seen some articles. Um, and it's funny because, you know, you, he, you can bring him in really easy talking about the southern border, especially like for how he was caught and why he was caught. But as long as he was doing the bidding of the U.S. government, I mean, he was okay. 
I've read some articles where he was doing a lot of things for us uh, over in the Middle East. And, you know, he was he was our boy then. But as soon as, you know, you're doing something that we don't like, then, you know, of course they round him up and they put him in jail. But some people have said that one of the reasons why we wanted him back out was because we had some things, you know, our government has some tasks for the guy to do. I mean. And I don't know. Oh, okay, sure. I, you know, I, don't, I, I haven't seen that particular I don't think point of view on it. Yeah, I don't think it's too tinfoil hatted to say that our, our government uses useful idiots, but that is definitely nefarious. Those those types of uh, waters. Oh yeah, you're but, yeah. You're tracking into a whole bunch. I just I thought about it as we were talking about the border crisis. I was like, well, that's that's how he got caught, and now he's back out. So, um, but he is an arms dealer, so he's going to sell to your point uh, to whoever's going to pay him. So that's there right. You go, you that's know? right. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. That's, that's how that works. But uh, he's a capitalist. right he's making money he's you know he's he's going where he needs to go and and uh and he's he's finding customers you know he's got a product hey so here's a a question for you larry is so title 42 is lifted right that's where this looks like it's going what does that mean Uh, well it the layman's the the layman's person is it's going to loosen up uh the the well, Title Four. Let's talk about what Title Forty Two is first, Larry. Yeah, I mean, because um, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I didn't quite. I said, understand. It, I said it like I understood what it was too. So. Well, no, I mean, but listen, I'm still learning about this thing. But evidently, it was a, um, it's, it's been around a while, and it's basically for the United States government in times of war, where we can have a little more control over our borders, and it was um, brought back because of COVID. COVID. It's a public health thing. Um, so, in you know, it was a little bit of a stretch anyway um, as far as utilizing it not in a time of war to control immigration, but instead using it for a pandemic. And um, But it really hasn't it, – it hasn't had – it's had some impact, but it has not – you know, even, even though it's in place, it hasn't kept people from crossing the border. It hasn't kept people from crossing uh, – but it does limit some tools that can be used as far as an enforcement arm or deportation arm. Um, so the theory is if you limit the ability for Customs and Border Protection, for example, to do anything about it, uh, say deportation under Title 42 because of a uh, public health crisis, uh, then that will then increase uh, the amount of people coming here because now we're not going to send them back home because of they're not vaccinated or whatever. Uh, they're going to go Back in, they're going to get a court date. They're going to stay in the country. They're not going to be uh, sent back to the next country, I guess is the summary of it. You know, and I just heard, um, I don't know, a day or two ago, where these court cases now, so, you know, you're kind of, you're you're given a ticket, you're given your number, you're released into the interior. But uh, they're looking like, the backlog is like six, seven years now. I mean, do you really think that, in six, seven years, anyone's going to even show up for a court case, and then at that time, do you really think they're going anywhere? Well, they don't. They haven't been. There's no historical precedent to think that that uh, system is going to all of a sudden fix itself in 2023 uh, when it was a problem in you know uh, under President Obama, 08 to, or 09 to, to 16, 17. So, I mean, <clears throat> I, to, to even under Trump, uh, to be fair, Immigration judges were not getting through those cases 
as efficiently as what they would like, even to the point where I think President Trump appointed, uh, I, I don't remember the number off the top of my head, but appointed more a immigration bunch. judges. Yeah, yeah it, still, it still really wasn't putting much of a dead. So, but to uh, the overall issue with the border crisis, you know, and this is where I'm going to kind of wade into maybe what is conspiracy is uh, what what is the overall point of having all these people and allowing all these people in the country? Is it yeah. just to simply break the system? Which is a possibility. I mean, you know, it doesn't take that much of a leap to get from, we have a stable situation, there's no real reason to let a whole bunch of people in other than to overwhelm systems. Right. You know, I mean. Well, there's some people, and I've even had this argument with folks, because, I mean, I'm not, you talked about some of the political sides of this. Well, Listen, I think the Republicans, are their hands are probably just as dirty as the Democrats when it comes to bringing in cheap labor, okay? Um, and look at the uh, Better Business Bureau and what have you, okay? I mean, there's some organizations that really like cheap labor, okay? Sure. Um, really, the reason why the immigrant, and I, and I got the argument that if you're a free person, you should be able to go, they're, they're economic immigrants, okay? They're, they're trying to go, they're, they're trying to, better their life. They want to get a job. Okay, I got it. They want to come to the, the land of the big PX. That's what we call it. Oh, yeah, Super Walmart. Exactly. You know, they want to come up here. They want to get some cool stuff. They want to get a good, you know, good job. I got it. Really, the the problem that we have as Americans is we have a hell of a safety net. We have a hell of a welfare state. And um, this is really the crux of the problem because these people come in, and you talked about it, these people immediately get put on the dole. Okay, we do a lot of things for immigrants in this country. Which is a nice thing to do, you know, help somebody kind of until they get a job, find a home, you know, blah blah blah. Okay, we we try to take care of them so they can at least you know uh, support themselves, feed themselves, what have you. But it's really this safety net that's the issue. Um, and you talked about bringing these people. And one of the things is to bust the bank. Well, you could see where that would absolutely do that. Um, but we're not going to get rid of our safety net, are we? We're not getting rid of the welfare state just because we have the border problem. No, no, as long as you, no. Uh, look, as long as you've got, in back to po- politics, uh, the left is going to politicize everything uh, uh, because that's just what they do, okay? And uh, they are they are anarchists by definition on the, on the very, I'm talking about leftists, you know, co- communists. Um, but is, and they're going to argue as long as you've got basically unlimited military spending, you're also going to have unlimited social spending. And uh, so on. So, I mean, just last month we hit uh, unforecasted fund $268 billion of, not unforecasted, excuse me, um, deficit spending. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, times that by four months, that's a trillion dollar deficit. So, needless to say, <laughs> and I know we got a lot of other things to talk about, but needless to say, it's a crisis. It is a crisis. It's I a know humanitarian th- crisis. It <laughs> is an issue that. <laughs> And the funny thing it's is, it's not going to be addressed. Is that, that Larry? Here, no, no. Here's the thing, the though. The former okay. sec, uh, press secretary didn't want to say the word crisis. Yeah, but it, well, no, it's, it's, a, it's a crisis. It is. It is a a huge humanitarian issue. But here's the question: Let's say everybody that you want gets elected, everyone that's hard on borders, everyone that okay, we finally seal. Let's just let's just let's just make up some stuff here. Let's say the borders get sealed. Okay, we got the military on them. Nobody's coming in. We've even closed down, you know, uh, commerce. Okay, on the border until we get a handle on this thing. What do you do with the millions of folks that have crossed that border now that are in the system? I mean, is there even a way 
to round these folks up and figure out what to do with them? Because, I mean, I think everyone's pushing for like some kind of citizenship right now for them, some sort of amnesty. That's yeah, what gets a, floated. That's, that's the next step. If you ask yeah. anybody in, in the Congress, playbook. they're going to they're gonna talk about uh, just, hey, amnesty, come out of the shadows. They'll yeah. say stuff like pay back taxes, but there won't be any legislation. Repopulate these people. Look, we all we all seen that. You know, fly yeah. these people in the middle of the night, put them over in some other area, and then at some point uh, we've got uh, in the playbook to go ahead and just wave a wand, and now you're citizens. Yeah, my, Something like that. My problem is I'm just, I, I don't, you know, conspiracy, that's a cool, that's a cool word, you know, whatever. I mean, it's not a dirty word, um, but I mean, you'd have to be really kind of an idiot to not think this is not a very well planned yeah. and executed and operation. Yeah, yeah. They, I, they're, they're flying yeah. these people to specific locations for a purpose. Yeah. They know exactly where they want them. And when somebody puts them someplace that they don't want them, you see them go crazy there. Okay. Like Martha's yeah. Vineyard or whatever. Yeah. No, no, no. That, they're not supposed to be in Martha's Vineyard. They're supposed to be over here in, you know, Horseshoe, Texas. Let's you know the script, yeah. Exactly. Um, so this, this is a huge, huge when, operation. When I say conspiracy, and, and I'll probably use that term just because it's the term that pops in my head, but uh, you know, most of those things, it doesn't take a big intellectual leap to get there. You know, it really doesn't. As a matter of fact, it, you know, a lot of them make sense. It's just. A lot of times I don't have specific data to go off of saying like, hey, this is the plan, right. you know, so I just kind of go, well, this is the theory or I say conspiracy sometimes. But, so you said yeah. conspiracy. I just want to sneak this in there too, right? Uh, the last few days we had some stuff on the JFK assassination. Oh, that's okay. awesome. So I that's had to just get in there. <laughs> that's a good right? one. So I think this was a, a segue that uh, made sense. Uh, conspir- conspiracy theories aren't really tinfoil hat and when they uh when they when people with a brain have analyzed it for 60 something years and we we see what's going on so uh i'm just saying that i'm just coming out and i'm going to say there was more than just one shooter and it was a coordinated attack uh and, and i don't really know and perhaps in my lifetime i won't know really uh, because there's so many layers deep of all these other stories that have just kind of clouded over in the smoke and mirrors, and now you've forgot. You don't even know the truth anymore. There's, a, there's another example uh, recently, too. It made headlines just like your JFK files. I mean, a couple of years ago, uh, you know, the federal government coordinating with Twitter uh, was conspiracy theory. That's right. It's That's... It's a proven fact now. You know what I mean? So well, it, it the is. thing is, it's almost getting, and I hate to say this, but it's it's almost it's like common sense is just if you just trust your gut, you know, something right. looks like something, or something smells like something. I mean, that it's probably that, mm-hmm. and 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 I know a lot of people don't want to believe. That's really the issue. I mean, you don't want to believe what's going on because oh my god, because it's just not pretty, and you'd rather think good about you'd rather think good of your your community you you want to think you know positive things about your government that they're doing the things that they're supposed to be doing the fact of the matter is um the people that occupy government are the same crooked people that that do everything else in life i mean there's nothing magical that happens when you get elected to government or you go get a government job you're still bringing whatever baggage that you have whatever kind of you know nasty individual you are right to that job and your mind is working, you know, machinations on all kinds of crazy things that you think you're going to do. Plus, at that point, you think you're important, right? Because you're in the government. You're important now. It's possible um, you could argue the opposite. <laughs> it gets worse. 
So, you know, I think the problem is a lot of us are just sitting around and we're going, man, this stuff looks ate up. And then when you say so, it's like, well, that's a conspiracy theory because you don't have no facts. Well, I don't really need facts to tell me the sun rises, you know, in the east and sets in the west, man. I mean, I can kind of just look up and see that. Yeah, does it, does it pass the sniff test? You know? Yeah, and, and some of the stuff that we're, we're witnessing is just crazy looking. Yeah. You know, it just looks like what it is, right? And yeah. JFK always looked weird. Let's just, I mean, come on, man. JFK, that assassination thing, I'm, yeah. Oh, yeah. It happened before my time, yeah. but just looking back at it, uh, it just looked weird. Back you know, and to the left. It just it just didn't yeah, look back like and to the left. there's just way yeah. too much, you know, that had to just kind of oh, happen yeah. on that. Absolutely. Well yeah, that's crazy. I mean, uh, hey, uh so, didn't so, Tucker just come on and say that you know, some guy from the you know source just said yes, the CIA yes. was involved. Oh yeah. yeah. Hey, so th- just thinking out loud here, yeah. it, it almost seems like with Twitter that it's a you know, a social platform. And I think what we're what we're seeing is, and I, as a layman's perspective, is we see what we haven't really seen before in the past. So on a new level, we've been able to see collusion type of machinations because of that social pl- platform. And in the in the past, people just weren't in the know; they just did their jobs. You know, they went to work and they did their, they did their thing while the government did what it's probably already always done. What I'm saying is this stuff's always gone, kind of gone on. And now we've um, through the, uh, you know, the laptop from hell and all this crazy stuff and the prostitutes and all the drugs later, we now see we're kind of looking behind the curtain at something that's always been going on. Maybe is that. Crazy. Yeah, so is that no, not at all. So like uh <clears throat> let's think back to I'm not saying you know, the government's corrupt, golly. I wouldn't say yeah, that. I would never say that. Uh <laughs> to any FBI agent listening right now, we're not saying that. Right yeah. Now. Uh <laughs> the uh when there was three networks before nineteen eighty six or whatever, you know, do we know if the government had uh liaisons with them or, or whatever when there is a half hour news cycle I, I have no idea um, but we do know that like to your point we are now peeking behind the the curtain here but this is this is some this is some blatant stuff I, I you know if the government wanted to control a narrative they could do it with a press release mm-hmm. at any point but there is there are backdoor channels and hiring practices happening that are coming out of these the Twitter file, files that that have uh, occurred so far. So I think there's Bombshell a little bit stuff. more. Um, it's an IO campaign. A little bit more blatant yeah. activity, <laughs> no as way. opposed to maybe the passive uh, press release of some type or something from maybe in the past. Uh, the other thing about this is is now there's a whole nother uh, you know twenty four seven news cycle. Uh, we have uh, talk radio. We've got conservative sites. We've got uh, Republican-led news agencies. We've got uh, you know we've got a whole other side of the argument uh, that can be like, okay, well, you know, why does MSNBC and Twitter not cover anything on the Hunter Biden laptop, for example? Uh, but these other sources, Fox News and whoever are yeah. so there's a there's an ability for the regular population to get the information without going to, you know, the original three networks. Mm. So there's there's part of that. I, so just as a summary of the, of the Twitter files, 
Uh, yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Five Twitter dumps. Uh, the f- and what dumps they were. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, how about, hey, Larry, how about like when they, that, I guess was the first dump that went through Baker? I mean, we didn't even get like a really good, decent dump on that first one because he was evidently going through and kind of cleaning up the files. You no, know? so yeah, yeah the, basically what he I was understand. He was at his laptop yeah. when they grabbed him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, we don't. Need, I, yeah, we don't need them. We don't need them reading this. Yeah. What I understand uh, how this is going down is, uh, you know, the billionaire Elon Musk bought Twitter. Uh, he found a bunch of stuff, and now he's just sending it out to bloggers or journalists or whatever, and just saying, "Hey, whatever you find, no problem. Just put it on Twitter first. That's kind of the. What I understand the deal to be. What, what do you think um, about Jack Dorsey? Do you think this guy's as clueless as he's trying to tell everybody? Uh, I doubt. Yeah, I doubt it. I don't think so. I, I, I don't. I don't buy it. Doesn't pass a sniff test. Yeah. I don't buy it for a second. They've got him in uh, correspondence with. Uh, yeah. Not only, I mean, obviously, people in Twitter with, with these decisions. He's made some of these decisions. It's ridiculous. But the first Twitter uh, files uh, release was. Um, the whole how they covered up the Hunter Biden laptop story. Right. And Elvis Chan, FBI agent to Jack Dorsey, Twitter CEO. There you go. Uh, of course, and this is the guy, I forget the guy's name. I don't have it here. That actually did the analysis, the blogger that did it for uh, Musk. He said, he, his, his point is there's no smoking gun. There's no email from this guy to Dorsey because they both knew what they were there to do. Right. You know, and, and there was a, uh, you know, there's something... Like that with, who was the, years and years ago, Department of the Treasury under Barack Obama, Lois Lerner or something, she was yeah, targeting conservative yeah. groups for yeah. non, non-taxable yeah. status. Like, yeah. there is no, and Republicans were running around, like, Nothing we got to find nice. the memo. There's no yeah. memo. She was there because that's what she was supposed to do. You know what I mean? That's yeah. the yeah. argument here, right? Um, well, it's not like, you don't, yeah, you don't, you don't send an email and stuff <laughs> yeah, like right, that. Right, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, you kind of bring them in, you have the conversation or you send someone over there to convey the message. I mean, we all know how that's done. It's not, you don't, you don't send a letter. Yeah. What's that? I mean, look, just to uh, put a preacher's uh, face on this or mind to this is just to see how these people will sell the American people a bill of goods and a virtue signal and, uh, but really, it's all about them just to ingratiate themselves for power, for money. They, they don't really it's control, care control about power, yeah. the ideals of our country and, and, and why why it's free and all those other good things. It's just like, hey, what can I get out of this? And and I'll just lie my butt off to make some money. And that's all I see. And I just, they all just got caught. Is that yeah, wrong? Yeah. I mean, no, that's not. Of, I, don't, I don't think that's wrong at all. I mean, a little simplistic, I think, but. I th- I think there's Control. I think there's a a human condition where and we used to see it in the military too. I mean we you know there was us and there was civilians, right? Yeah. I mean when we were in the military, we were soldiers. We were a little bit different. We were special. I think the same sort of thing happens when you're up in these some of these uh, government agencies of the FBI, whatever. Um, if you're a part of the bureaucracy, the federal bureaucracy, I think there is a sort of um, I'm in the elitist club. And, uh, and you have all the peons out there, right? Uh, what Peter Stroke used to call the uh, smelly Walmart people. And um, I think that's dangerous, and I think that's been going on for a very long time. And so I think, I think unfortunately, the group think up there is always, how do we manipulate the peons? You know, how do we take advantage of them? You know, we're in charge. We're special. Um, we're elite. We know better. And everything is about manipulating the masses. 
Yeah, people uh, that have been riding in coach and the steerage, now they can see behind the curtain and see what's going on in first class. Yeah. And they're like, whoa. Uh, yeah, they're taking a look it's kind of scary. Like, yeah, this is, yeah. So I think that's the reason why they absolutely hate a guy like Trump because yeah. he was a Darwin until he became a politician. Okay, they all loved him. Yeah. Uh, but as soon as somebody rises up that is a populist, and it really wouldn't matter who it would be. And you're not owned. Yeah, you're not owned. They, you're not compromised. You ain't been to Pedo Island. Okay, they don't have the yeah. video on you. Yeah. Um, dude, they're going to come after you. Yeah. They, they you're, 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 you're not you're not allowed in the treehouse. Oh, that was that was. I mean, you know, talk about uh, conspiracy. I, I I think that's a coordinated uh, operation against the former president. To be completely honest with you, uh, you know, and this is uh, the Twitter files is a part of that uh, thing with uh, you know folks up in you know what inside the Beltway up there in Washington D.C. or wherever they they were operating out of Silicon Valley. Name name your place, but. Um, this all points to stuff like that where you got somebody that's pulling back the curtain and showing, you know, the American people who voted for him, you know, in droves, uh, Hey, this, this is what's going on. And, uh, if, if you're going to rob them of what they want, their way of life or their future control, they're going to, they're going to come back hard. You know, leftists is, I don't know if it's limited to the left side of the political aisle, but, uh, it certainly seems to all go one direction. You know, um, just just saying. Yeah, a lot of that going on. Yeah, I think the, I think the term uniparty applies. Um, I think there is some controlled opposition. Now, th- I'm not, not not saying there's good people up there, um, but they certainly are a minority, and they're certainly ostracized and ever and they are attacked. You know, people that just don't play ball up there. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Um, how does this go in, Larry? How does this go into like everything else that we're seeing? I mean, we're seeing election fraud, um, the Twitter files. Um, it seems like everything just kind of plays into this. It's like it's just one big thing we're uncovering. I mean, I think the Twitter files, the, the Twitter files, is really nothing about Twitter at all. I think that's no. a minor story. I think it's more like how out of control everything's kind of gotten. Yeah, the Twitter file story that what the Twitter file story was about is the fact that we have documented evidence of federal government uh, coordination with a private company on who's going to be on the platform, who's going to be off the platform, and what can be said on the platform to include, uh, you know, COVID-19 information, to include whether or not the, at this point, uh, the former president was going to be allowed to speak on a platform or not. Um, I mean, President of the United States, come on, look, uh, the leaders of Iran, yeah. Al Qaeda, the Taliban have Twitter accounts. You canceled the press, <laughs> right? ISIS Amazing. has a Twitter account, <laughs> right? Okay, their press secretary, whatever you want to call them, has a Twitter account. Okay, this is, this is, and they all tie it back to January sixth. And in the Twitter files, they say that hey, basically, uh, the people at Twitter were like, hey, uh, you know, Trump didn't actually violate any of our policies. Uh, and then the, the senior executives or whatever took over and said, yeah, but his intent was, uh, and, and then booted him off the platform on January 8th uh, wow. following yep. the uh, incident. Which, by the way, January 6th, I thought was one of the dumbest political moves in history. Uh, it doesn't take a, an expert to see yeah, how that absolutely. could have gone wrong. But that's beside the point. The Twitter right. file point is senior levels of our federal government are coordinating with this media company 
to do such things. And, you know, I mean, it goes all the way to the, to the fifth, um, I think there's five Twitter file, uh, thing and they're, they're all kind of the same three, four and five are kind of the same. Um, but Hey, Larry, so let me ask you this. So, uh, and I don't know, maybe cause I'm, I'm itching to segue to another topic, but if we can, you guys can uh, scrap with me on that. But the idea, what, I, what I've been seeing with a, this whole Twitter file episode is, as we know, people can manipulate our ideas, the way we think. Okay, duh, right? Information operations. Uh, yeah, psyops. Generation warfare. Right. And so uh, here, here's a quote from, uh, maybe this will kick off a new line of thought, from Thomas Paine, Common Sense. He writes, uh, a long habit of not thinking a thing wrong gives it a superficial appearance of being right. And uh, now just think about that for a second. Now think about uh, how many things have uh, left the stall that were normally thought, that's crazy, that's kooky. Why would you do that? Bizarre things. Uh, I mean, I go off on a tangent to say something strange, like uh, something sort of gut filled, which is crazy. But the prosthetic boobs, it's like ginormous. The no, guy I'm, wearing those, a shop. I'm teacher, glad you brought that up because that, it's like, oh, that's normal. Yeah, no, I'm, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Paul, because I'll be honest with you. Um, Normalize the nonsense. It's gotten so bad, Larry. I mean, you tell me if I'm wrong. Somebody will say something, and your first instinct is like, what? That's crazy. And then it's not too long later. That we find out it's absolutely factual. It's absolutely yeah. It's happened. so no, yeah. Not not incorrect at all from my point of view. I mean, we don't have to go. Uh, we don't even have to go in the land of theory on this one. We we see it happening. Uh, look, okay. Uh, transgender issues or whatever the case may be, and I know this is you know whatever political. Well, it's all political. Who cares? But uh, <laughs> the. Some of it came to light under, you know, 09 to 17. Yeah, that was kind of the origin. Bradley Manning and Chelsea Manning, you know, this type of thing. And it was kind of there and everybody's like, whatever, who cares? Now we're here and we're talking about transgenders up around, number I saw was about half a million in the United States. Um, You know, kids, 11, 12, at school in California, can't, the school can't tell their parents anything about Crazy. Them going into hormone therapy, like having uh, uh, mastectomy, their breasts removed, uh, you know, just terrible stuff. Uh, drag shows at elementary schools, like th- these are things that are now you can't go a week without seeing this in the news. Yeah, you know, and it, school school boards and transgender books was one of the issues, you know, in the recent November elections. So I mean. And here's the, and I, I uh, normalizing things that should not be uh, normal. You know, I, I purposely saved this other part of the quote, but you know, he does say Thomas Paine, common sense, uh, a long habit of not thinking, uh, not thinking a thing wrong gives a superficial appearance of being right and raises at first a formidable cry in defense of custom. So if you follow the, the logic and, and I'm no, he wasn't thinking about transgenderism and other nonsense, no, right? No, no, and no, when no. he wrote this thing, uh, you know, but is things become custom, things that are normally insane become normalized. And not only that, but here, let me take it a step further because I wanted to get into, I think, a bigger problem we have, and that is with recruitment in the armed forces. And this is where I'm going with all this, 
is you have, uh, let's say we'll pick on the millennials because they're fun to pick on, right? Yeah. They, they, you, they get their feelings hurt pretty easy. They're socially dynamic with the phone, but uh, socially retarded in person. Just just picking on them a little bit, right? And, and the shoe fits, wear it, pal. Uh, but the problem is they were they were taught growing up, uh, and I'm stealing some other ideas that are already out there, but it's a duh thing, that, you know, they're always winners. And, you know, everybody gets a ribbon. And, you know, it's like, no, the second, the higher idea when I grew up was second place is the first loser, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and so all these other ideas kind of, uh, uh, what I'm saying is, between parenting, the ways we did that, between all these other ideas of normalizing nonsense took a big toll. And maybe I can introduce the topic here is the Armed Forces Recruitment. And that has to be, I just want to throw you under the bus, Larry, but that has to be one of the big problems of why we're not reaching our recruitment goals. I'll just leave you with that. So sure, it, it probably is a part of the problem, right? Okay, so uh, you know, nobody wins in uh, basic training when you're talking to a drill sergeant, right? Yeah. Uh, the drill sergeant wins, right? <laughs> yeah, nobody yeah. else wins, right? Um, but, uh, you know, and I don't know. I, I don't know if it's the entire problem, though. It's probably yeah. a portion of it. Yeah. Um, but in the end, the military's got uh, jobs for just about yeah, anybody. All types. It takes all types. You don't, you don't have to be, you know, airborne ranger, whoever. Yeah. Um, out in the street to join the military. You can be a fueler, a logistics guy. You know, there's plenty of jobs. I think the other part of it is, uh, hey, I, look, it, the economy was pretty good under Trump. Now it's not. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Afghanistan was 2021. People uh, saw that. That didn't go too well. Okay. Sure. Um, like, wow. You know, it, they look, uh, and they got a 24-7 news cycle. Mm. You know, so the kids looking at this stuff, it doesn't surprise me that recruiting is down. And by the way, but you to come in the military now, you still need a COVID vaccine. The National Defense Authorization Act of 2023 was passed by the House and Senate that has language in it that removes that um, requirement. But the president has not signed it yet, so it's not. It's not. That's got to be a fact. So, um, hey, so th- no. if you're from Texas and you don't want the COVID vaccine, uh, yeah. I pick on Texas because there's a lot of kids come from Texas. But, uh, you know, that's what I found. No, what, too, uh, no, what you said is absolutely correct. And that is um, historically the armed forces has been um, relied on the kids from the south, southeast uh, portion of the United States, because um, that's kind of a family heritage, if you will. Okay? Yeah, there's a lot of family heritage there. And if your grandpa or father, whoever, and you're looking at what's going on now, are you telling your kid to join? No, and that's I don't think you are, uh, and and that's what happened. That that whole pool um, is really drying up, and and the uh, the DoD is feeling that. Yeah, hey, just to, just to throw out some metrics out here because I'm dying to do this, but uh, but but getting ready for this podcast, I noticed, and this is from uh, all media source. We're talking CNN, NBC, stuff that normally may not ha- you know have this uh, these numbers, but uh, what I've been finding this week is. The Army has fell short of its uh, 60,000-man person goal by 25%. So it's 10,000 short. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the num- numbers we have right now is uh, currently... 15,000. What's that? 15,000. Yeah. Yeah. And that, yeah, there you go. My, my, don't do math in public. But 466,000 troops currently, that we're told in the Army, 
Uh, and then the problem is you got people getting out, but then we don't have people come in and replace those folks. Duh. And here's some of the metrics, as uh, you mentioned, uh, Mike. Uh, this is from NBC. Uh, they said that 80% of the armed forces really uh, traditionally comes from the South, the Southeast. Uh, and these are people that have a legacy of service. So these are their fathers and mothers, whatever. They served. And then to your other point that you made is I found that also from NBC is uh, the recruitment age, you know, 18 to 40, one-third of Americans in that age bracket are unvaccinated. And so then you have, you've got, uh, is it any wonder that we have a crisis? The, the, other, the other part, too, is um, the, there's only like a small segment of the youth today that are even qualified, which I was really shocked. That, that, that number has yeah, been really was, shrinking, yeah. uh, uh, sh- uh, shrinking. And I think, well, just you got overweight, you've got mental illness, you've got all kinds of, just a whole slew of issues where, you know, before you even talk to this kid, he's probably not even qualified. Yeah. Um, You go into a room room of 10 young people, and I think you're down to 25% of them that are even qualified. Now they may, they may or may not be interested, but you've already, you've already really eliminated 75% of the, of the the youth just right off the get go. Yeah, the actual um, people don't understand this, especially you know leftists that talk about people join the military because they can go to college or whatever. That that that's completely that narrative is completely false and it's been disproven uh, many times. But uh, no, you already have a population uh, deficit somewhere around uh, something like what you said seventy five percent, seventy percent of the population is not fit for normal military uh, service. So, and that has to do with health. Uh, education level, uh, such as like the, the ASVAB is what I'm talking about. So right. They can't score high enough or whatever. It's mm-hmm. mental, uh, felonies, criminal records, stuff like that. So yeah. all that stuff gets put into that uh, before they're even, you know, considered uh, for testing or, or actual like jobs and ship dates and stuff. So you already have a diminished uh, population to choose from. And now you've got a bar to enlistment that has to do with uh, uh, vaccination that yeah. let's be, let's be honest. If you're under 50, the chances of you having serious issues from COVID is almost zero. Yeah. You usually have to have some sort of other over obese or something, uh, heart disease. I don't know, something to underlying, under 50. Yeah, so yeah. Severe underlying condition, you know, so yeah, diabetic, whatever. When you're 18 to 34 and you're in that, you know, well, I don't know if they go all the way up to 34 for target recruitment, but 18 to 30, yeah. COVID's not going to touch you even if you get it. Um, now you need the vaccination. Uh, and, you know, why is the guy going to do that? And so yeah. obviously, I mean, this goes without saying that the recruitment, the recruiters, the Army, the Armed Forces we're looking at, they are looking at revisiting how they do business. So I, I wanted to, I wanted to uh, share this also. Democratic Representative Jackie Spire, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Virginia, I believe. Uh, she says, the armed forces needs to recognize that there, there's been an evolution in that young population that we talked about. If we're going to target that young population for service, she says, then you've got to make it appealing to the pool of potential recruits. Uh, and, and so that right there, to me, just uh, that's the problem. Appeal to millennials appeal to these people. Uh, oh, she's, what from, <laughs> uh, she's from California. I'm, I'm yeah. correcting you. Yeah. So the, the, uh, the interesting thing there, I think just underscores the nature of the problem. 
the problem is not with the military. Okay, the problem is with the pool of people that we want to pull from to serve, and and you can you can say whatever the problem is. No, I'm just I'm saying with uh, I'm talking about fatties right now, and I'm talking about millennials that are raised wrong. That's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about the other COVID issues and other stuff like that because that's also a, a significant problem. Well, it's, Why, it's, you know, but if you're right. Got, if you got Johnny who is on the couch, he's been told he's a hero. He's a hero with Xbox, but he cries when you tell him something. Then you know, obviously that kid is not going to make it in the military. And you could take yeah. the standards and wrap them to a pretzel, but that is not going to help things. No, you. That's you, not solving the problem. You're, he has to go to basic. Okay. And um, if he can make it through that. Listen, SF, I think in a lot of other spec ops communities that recruit off the street, okay. Um, the 18 x-ray program is what we call it in the, in the army. But anyway, it's a um, fantastic program. You know, we have a thing it's called assessment and selection. Now think about that a minute. Now there, this kid's off the street. There's, there's, he hasn't really done anything other than just be raised. He's never been assessed and selected for anything. Right. High school sports, nothing. But, but what are we doing? Well, we're looking at this guy and we're saying, is he wired right? You know, was he brought up right? Is he tough? Does he have thick skin? You know, is he physically able to to hang out? Does he get along well with others? I mean, these are we're not teaching him these things. This guy has to come into assessment selection with some skills. Yeah. And we're just trying to figure out if he's going to make a good Green Beret. Is, does he already have the baseline? Does he already have the foundation that we're looking for that we can train and throw some, some sexy stuff on top of this guy? And yeah. can he deal I mean, with it? He has to show up with integrity. So, to, so to be raised your, right. your point, Paul, is the fact that, yeah, man, we, we do have a diminished population, like Larry was talking about, from, you just to select from. This guy's not make, This guy's not ever, ever getting through assessment selection, okay? Oh, what you're talking about with the special operation, you talk about declined rate just for gen pop military. Oh, yeah, you're just talking so, about regular I mean, military. Now talk- we're trying to grab the one guy yeah. out of the 30% that went, yeah. you know what I mean? And it just gets harder and harder. So if you're not even able to get the... Uh, light wheeled mechanic, okay. Uh, how much harder is it going to get the you know get the guy that has to halo out of a you know airplane at you know the middle of the night, whatever, with a bunch of equipment on? Um, but I think the policies in the military also. Listen, we all we all like the Marine Corps commercials. We all like the the, the the Marine Corps recruiting commercials. You know, the guy climbing the cliff and slaying the dragon and all that. Listen, we the other thing too is the policies are have to be a draw. You have to draw that warrior. You have to put something up there where that warrior wants to join. He wants to be challenged. I think the military is failing on that aspect as well. I mean, a guy like Millie is not really who I'm aspiring to be like. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't want to be like Millie. I don't want to be like Lloyd Austin. Those guys look like soy boys to me. You know, I'm looking for, I'm looking for a, a tough dude. I'm looking for a patent. back. <laughs> hey, listen, guys. I'm with you, no, no, no. Hey, listen, guys want guys want yeah. Patton. Guys want yeah. MacArthur. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, guys want to follow warriors, men, leaders, not a bunch of wimps, not woke woke tards. That, that's what I was trying to get at. Um, yeah. Hey, the, the withdrawal from Afghanistan was look. That's that's embarrassing stuff, man. Uh, let's just call it what it is. Uh, and then the, the policies coming out of this thing. So uh, COVID-19 vaccination uh, mandated uh, transgender issues in the military. Like, what the, what the hell are we talking about? 
Hey, can you, you know what I mean? Will you uh, let me, uh, will you indulge me just for a second with a Patton quote? Okay. Let's do it. So yeah. Patton says, in war as I know it, all real Americans love the sting and clash of battle. When you were kids, you all admired the champion marble shooter, whatever that is, the fastest runner, the big league ball players, and the toughest boxers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. Americans play to win all the time. That's why Americans have never lost and will never lose a war. This was written in 1948. Uh, although I don't think we've ever lost a war per se. Uh, Still but, technically haven't, I don't yeah, think. Yeah, I mean, the very thought of losing is hateful to Americans. Battle is the most significant competition in which a man can indulge. It brings out all that it is best and removes all that is base. So, but, yeah, I mean, just the reason why I wanted to say that is I think the guys that um, the guys that we know that come to the special ops, they're guys like that, that think like that. And very, very few guys do we sniff are, are woke tards, and they get weeded out because they were raised wrong. And, of course, this doesn't even answer the, the question, the answer the problem of how do we fix – What's broke? I mean, I don't think the three of us could come up with a solution. But. Well, policy, policy is one. Yeah. Okay, yeah, like that needs to, to change. Like, yeah, I, I don't know how. Lowering the say. standards is not going to do it. Policy yeah. change. I mean, I'm talking about at a, at a strategic yes. level. Uh, yeah. You know, across the and, and it's it's because it's been politicized. Yeah. In, in my opinion, yeah. um, our job is know. to execute the foreign. Policies I think these, of the United States yeah. and close with to destroy the enemy, not, you know, uh, make everybody a winner. I think you're yeah. still going to get the special ops guy um, to a certain extent. Okay. But it's going to come from a smaller pool. Yeah. You so got that right. I think you, I think been. you're still going to get the guy that wants to be the Navy SEAL, shoot him up, yada, yada. Now you may only get him for five years and then he realizes that these policy decisions are stupid and he, and he exits. And how many um, have we lost because of policies? Oh, sure. There, there's yeah, plenty. I mean, lots. We've like uh, hemorrhaged soft guys because of these crazy policies. It's well, a bit. It's a I complex. It. We uh, we um, we've always had thank thank God an exceptional cohort of junior officers. Sure. We we always have. Um, the problem, of course, is but in in the military, at least in the army. Uh, Officers are in the top third, middle third, or bottom third. Okay, that's the way they're that's the way they're assessed and ranked. Um, generally speaking, let's be honest. That one third, that top third of officers, do not stay in, and we all know that. Okay, because they're on high demand. These guys are sought after by uh, corporate America because they're leaders, because they're exceptional. And we end up keeping sort of the middle third, generally the middle third stay in as career officers. Now, every now and then you do get a top third that stays, a guy like Grange, okay? Um, But they get frustrated as well because they're hanging out with a bunch of middle third guys. Um, I still have faith that, like what you were saying, Larry, if we can change the policies, if we can fix the way we're kind of doing things, I think we can talk some of these top third officers that we really need to stay in and fix this mess. I hope that uh, 
Yeah. That the, the calm heads will prevail. Yeah. So you got to have... Um, Hope's not a good course of action sometimes with these things. I, th- I think if you get... It's not this simple, but I think if you just get back to like, okay, hey, what is the purpose of the military? You know what I mean? It's I, I kind of like... Um, what's his name? Huckabee's... Uh, what he said a couple years ago. Uh, I think he was running for president or something. Anyway, it doesn't matter. He says, kill people and break things. Yeah. Okay. Um, If we just boil it all down to brass tacks, like, yes, there's foreign policy. Yes, there's influences. Yes, there's building relationships. Yes, there's all this other stuff. But when we just boil it right down to brass tacks. Hey, if I let me sneak in there, right? So uh, the the warrior class, because, you know, this happened to be working on some material on this, but we're the guardians of the republic. Uh, So the safety, the the security and uh, the future of our country rests on our shoulders. That's kind of a big deal. So if we fail, well, nobody else is going to do it. Well, it's yeah, not. Gonna, yeah, it's, <laughs> you're, you're that's absolutely. That's the point. It's not no gonna, one else is going to do it's it. It's not going to be politicians that fix this thing. It's not yeah. going to be lawyer, lawyer class, or the, you know, the the doctor class, the physician class. It's going to be the warrior class that is going to have to step up and assume leadership and get this thing back on track. But America has always just been an idea, and I think that idea is live and well. I think people love uh, liberty. They love freedom. They, they want to come here. Um, people want to live the American dream. Yeah, we got a lot of problems. But what, what I'm moving around, you tell me, but I still, I still hear people love America. They love that dream. They, they love the idea of what this thing is supposed to be. Yeah, I just wish, wish more people would want to be all they can be. Yeah, That's so you know you're going to need a certain percentage of the population that does hey, know, slap on that uniform and do what you got to do. But yes, I, I, so regardless just, of whatever yeah. I say about whatever politics and all this stuff and DC and you know whatever, uh, this is still the greatest country in the world. Amen. It has been since 1776, probably before if you're the New York Times 1619. Uh, you know, um, it is the greatest country in the world. It has been. It's got problems. It's fixed a lot of problems. Sure. It has accrued more power than any other nation in the history of the world and abused it less than any other nation in the history of the world. And uh, it's still the place to be. Right. I agree. Um, Still got a lot of problems. And that idea of America still needs to be defended, um, sometimes with uniformed soldiers and guns and bullets and all that stuff. And other times, ideologically, uh, because, you know, the idea of America is also under attack. And you can't really, you know, well said, you know, yeah. deal with that outside of the arena of ideas. Hey, uh, yeah, we didn't talk about Ukraine. Yeah, Larry, let me uh, shift gears on you here. Yeah, how long you want to um, go? I'll go. I, just, I got really, all night. I was interested um, to know about uh, where we're going with Ukraine in particular and maybe even China. I know that Ukraine's made the news a lot lately. Uh, it seems like, maybe just correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like things have. Uh, it was kind of wild in February, just looking back at this year. Uh, it looked like Russia was trying to do like a uh, 2014 Part 2 where they thought yeah. Ukraine was just going to sit around and do nothing. And then surprise, you know, they fought back with some uh, oomph. And, uh, you know, we had that crazy thing around Kiev and then uh, the 40-mile-long convoy, which was yeah. like, like a logistics blunder, right? Somebody forgot the fuel. Uh, but now it looks like things are kind of uh, – solidified on the east and uh 
talk us through kind of what you think, uh, maybe about the Russian strategy and maybe about where this is all going. Okay, so yeah, shifting gears over to Ukraine, uh, one of the biggest stories of the year. Uh, February 24th, Russia launched the uh, special military operation, I think is what they called it, or special operation into Ukraine. Uh, I think at one point, uh, uh, Rasputin over there said something about uh, counter-Nazi, something, you know, just... Yeah. uh, um, Anyway, some craziness like that. But uh, yeah, so we have to, to, in order to tell that, so let's... Let me set the table here. So where we're at right now, December, uh, you know, what, 10 months after the special military operation is announced and the invasion happened and the intelligence community got it right and they, to the hour, said when they would invade and all that stuff. Um, here we are. So the, the Donbass region of Ukraine, which is basically that eastern portion of Ukraine, I'm going to try to paint a picture for the listener, I guess. Uh, the Donbass region of Ukraine, about half the Donbass is controlled by uh, Russian military forces. Okay. And then if you go from the northeast portion, now I'm just going to say east portion of Ukraine, draw a line down to uh, kind of the southern region of the Donbass and the Co, I'm going to butcher this, Kohirshan district. Sounds right. Oh, I got it here. Hold on. Um, we're not Russian speakers, it's okay. Yeah, we'll forget there's us. another, Korshan, Korshan, whatever. It's just north of Crimea. Yeah, Kherson. Uh, Crimea. Yeah, Kherson. There, there you go. go. I forgot. Um, yeah. They control that area, and they control about three-quarters of the Kherson uh, uh, area, and they control uh, Crimea, which is right there in the northern portion of the Black Sea. So that's where we're at. What happened was, in order to talk about... The Russian invasion of Ukraine, we have to go all the way back to, um, from my perspective of it, we have to go back to 2014 and the annexation of Crimea, Crimea and the southern portion of the Donbass, which was Russian separatists controlled the area, yada, yada, yada. So um, we go back to Crimea 2014. We got the little green men running around down there, uh, what I would call a unconventional warfare operation. Um, the academics call it hybrid warfare, nonlinear warfare, fourth generation warfare, fifth generation warfare, all this stuff. I call it UW. Um, yeah. The little green men, who are largely believed to be spetsnauts, uh, Russian special forces, uh, control key infrastructure. And then Russia ended up using separatist movement, pro-Russian separatist movements, funded and equipped by them to annex... Crimea, control the area, yada, yada, yada. In order to tell the story of why that happened, we have to back up to 2013, and we have to talk about uh, pro, pro-Russian pro Ukrainian president, and I forget the guy's name. Yanukovych. Yanukovych was ousted basically by the public, right? So, yeah. um, Euromaidan. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, so, Winter on Fire is a good documentary on it. Yeah. It covers uh, about November 2013 to February 2014. Um, and the, the, basically the public said, Hey, we're not pro Russia anymore. We are yeah. pro West pro NATO. Well, Ukraine has always been the redheaded stepchild of, of Russia, the Soviet union, whatever. Um, Stalin starved. I forget how many people back 20 something millions, yeah, said millions, yeah. whatever it was. 20, so, 30 million. Yeah. yeah. You know, just a normal day for Stalin. Yeah. Really. Um, so this is, this has been, there is historical precedent here for all this stuff. And I think it's all linked. Yeah. Um, so we've got, uh, so why did Crimea happen? Well, uh, 2014, Putin's guy's gone. Uh, 
pro-Western government is in. Crimea's got a natural gas reserve. Russia provides natural gas to Ukraine. Yada, yada. Russia's got to stop that. They do it with the annexation of Crimea and the little area of the Donbass down there in the southeast. It's 2014. So now, since then, what do we have going on? Okay. Or even prior to a little bit. Uh, you got Estonia, Latvia. You've got um, Lithuania. You've got uh, Eastern European, former Soviet blocs joining NATO, pro-Western governments involved, and Russia has a history of using frozen conflicts. That's conflicts that stop uh, short of peace treaty. Uh, Georgia, 2008, is a great example where they annexed like two territories and then just, you know, stopped. So they basically called ceasefire. That was it. Frozen conflict. Um, What that does is that puts Russia and the Kremlin inside the West decision-making process. So fast forward to the invasion of Ukraine. Um, I think there's some other issues going on here, which we can discuss as well. But bottom line is they're trying to get, like I said, Ukrainian, the redheaded stepchild of Moscow. They're trying to take control of this thing. But I don't actually think, and this is kind of a deviation from the Western narrative, um, back on February 24th, that this was going to be, what was it? A three day war and Russia was going to roll over Ukraine. Um, I don't think that. I still don't think that to today. Uh, and here, here's why. Here's Ukraine at a glance, okay? 231,000 square miles. That's Georgia, South Carolina, and North Carolina combined, territory-wise. 43 million people. Kiev itself is 3 million people. Um, and they had, remember the estimates in... February, about 150,000 Russian troops. Yeah, 150 to 180, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Well, Ukrainian had a standing military of 200,000. Yeah. Not talking the, the 44 million they were going to you know, give guns to and they, those, if something happened. Yeah, the, the Ukrainian army was just yeah. supposed to lie down. and. Yeah. Well, the Ukrainians have already proven back in 13 that they weren't going to put up with them. Yeah. Okay, so for sure, I don't think Russia ever had the idea in its head that it was going to actually control the entirety of Ukraine. Okay, that's where I was going to go with this, Larry, is I think this is my understanding that uh, part of the Ruski Mir, the Russian world, uh, Putin, if I could enter his brain, as crazy as that would be, uh, just the Russians and Putin just want to recover the Russian-speaking zone of Ukraine. That's their narrative, yeah. Yeah, it seems like that, and it seems like what we just saw in February was, hey, let's just go ahead and take Zelensky out and just – Kind of just go for it. Let's kind of shoot from the hip and, and kind of see what happens. And it's like, okay, that wasn't so good. Okay, now let's go stage two, which is kind of where we were going to go. But somebody had this bright idea of decapitating the whole, uh, you know, Ukrainian government. And obviously that didn't work. So now we're just going back to the plan A or something like that. It's almost yeah, like if so you can make some sense out of this. The historical precedent is they were going for a frozen conflict for some sort of pro-Russian speaking population. That that That's what yeah. passes kind of the sniff test. If they could get to Kiev and make yeah. some sort of political statement, that would be cool. But what we learned is, uh, one, Russian combined arms warfare is not there. They don't yeah. know how to do it. They can't do it. Wow. Um, we just saw that with a front row seat. Like, uh, yeah. and I'm, I don't even want to say this, but I was, I was thinking like, we used to be afraid of you guys. Wow. They it's couldn't like, do it back then. They could, you know, uh, like. It looked pretty I, bad. But but the idea, I think, and I don't want to, uh, I think this is kind of a death thing, but it, it almost seemed like in the beginning they wanted to keep Ukraine out of NATO. 
But now it seems like they just want to take them because of some other sundry reasons, like uh, energy, like because we even hit this stuff like uh, Nord Stream 2. You know, yeah. So maybe if I can ask you this, right? So you had some interesting things too, not on this question, but the counter to the Russian uh, aggression in Ukraine. You've seen the Perch Bridge destruction. Mm -hmm. You've seen the rail sabotage in Belarus. Interesting mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, very UW-esque. Uh, you've seen the rockets, maybe not so UWS, uh, fired deep into Russia. Yeah, they sent them into Russian air bases and stuff in yeah. Russian territory. And then so you see, uh, but that aside, the rail hits, the bridge hits, uh, we're seeing some uh, a level of uh, prowess on a special ops level uh, with Ukraine. And uh, I mean, I don't know if you have what your comments on that, but uh, I think it's kind of a death thing. We're seeing that. Uh, and, you know, we don't really know, nor do we really want to speculate on how involved we are with that as far as our soft guys. We just kind of know that, and we don't need to tell our enemies about that either. Is there is there an exit strategy, Larry? Yeah. Is this thing end? Yeah, that's no, kind of so, where yeah, so if, Ukraine, if it does, how? Where's this all going? So, Ukraine, so <laughs> Thank you. Here's where it goes. It goes to what uh, is the historical precedent for the Russian military, which is frozen conflict. They're going to try to hold what they can in the Donbass and in uh, Kherson over there uh, and Crimea. And they and, can throw guys in a Sacha's grinder. It's not a big yeah, deal for them. He needs, Putin needs 300,000 troops to hold the territory. He doesn't need 300,000 troops to try to invade Ukraine. The math doesn't work. I brought it up 150,000 against 200,000. You don't have to be a military strategist to figure this out. That does not work. So he wants the yeah. line to solidify and keep the Donbass so and the Crimea. Yeah. Yes. And that keeps exactly. Ukraine destabilized so and can't join NATO. Right. Can't join and NATO. And they have majority yeah. of the Russian speakers in that area, and so they kind of have a win-win. So they kind of get that a win-win. Yeah. They've got the frozen conflict, just like they did in Jordan. Yeah. And Ukraine is thereby, they're in the decision-making cycle of NATO because now Ukraine cannot join NATO. And they so can basically they're saying we can 60. lose Norway, Sweden, Finland, yeah, as long as we keep Ukraine because we don't want Ukraine on our border in NATO so the goal is frozen yeah. conflict, and they got there. Now, and the, cost them a lot. Yeah, you know, and the Russians can afford. Well, with Putin at the leadership, they can afford to lose fifty thousand to a hundred thousand guys a year, and who cares? Yeah, they don't. I, I mean, they don't. They don't even bat an eye at that. He doesn't so, care. I, yeah. I don't think they would. I don't think they want to lose those numbers, but yeah. I don't think they care if they do or not. I mean, you know, some of the if you're a Russian general now, right? You know. Stay away from high-rise windows because they fall out of those things all the time. So we can expect um, to see, as we go into 23, we can expect to see more of this and yeah. with the goal of probably stabilizing this line. Yeah, Probably stabilizing yeah. the line. If they can get some gains, they will, but I, I don't think that's the goal. I think the goal is they've already started moving. I just read yesterday, I think they moved 13,000 people out of the Donbass back into Russia for re-education or whatever. And part of this is also uh, Russia needs access to, to young men. So speaking of yeah. uh, our recruiting problems, Russia yeah. needs access to young men. Russia's got a male alcoholism rate of 36.9%. Mm. Mm. They've got almost 40% of their population is drunk Ouch. off their rear end. You know what oh. I mean? Like um, by comparison, the U.S. is 17.6. We're oh. somewhere, that, we're actually in the middle, believe it or not, uh, at that number. So, you know, um, Russia needs Russian speaking populations and they need access to those people, uh, just to maintain, uh, yeah. current military levels. So wow. I think that's where we're heading is 
They don't want Ukraine and NATO. They've got a foothold. They have a history of frozen conflicts. Uh, There's no reason for them to amass more losses. That's uh, makes sense. Yeah, that's a good summary. Well, hey guys, uh, you know we we covered a lot of uh, bases here, and uh, what a wild year it has been. Uh, But we don't want to leave you on a uh, Debbie Downer. We talked about some things that are kind of negative. But America, as Larry said, is the greatest nation on the face of the earth. And the reason why it is, I uh, I talked about uh, Patton earlier. He said, uh, uh, you know, we had, he he mentioned that we did have more bombers and tanks and and, uh, men in arms, arguably. Uh, You know, Russia had a pretty sizable army at the time also. But uh, instead of uh, enslaving our enemies at the end of World War II, we made peace, and then we rebuilt our enemies that we destroyed. That's why America is great. America is great because America is good. And uh, so I put three segments into this Thomas Paine quote. Uh, I hope I'm not belaboring this too much, but I'll give you the full quote here. It says, a long habit of not thinking a thing wrong gives a superficial appearance of being right and raises at first a formidable outcry in defense of custom. But he says, but the tumult soon subsides. Time makes more converts than reason. So it does end in a negative way. But, you know, the idea is uh, we want reason to uh, triumph. Troop to triumph, reason to triumph. And I believe it will. I think that we have some good stuff coming out as far as uh, in the recent elections. Uh, this gives us a little more balance, politics. And I think we have some good things coming down the pike with our country. So as we end this year on, uh, you know, behalf of Blacksmith, uh, you know, I wish your, uh, your family, uh, Yuletides, uh, season's greetings, uh, Merry Christmas, all those great things, and that you'll spend some wonderful nights together hanging out and doing what Americans do best. And that is, uh, you know, we do stomp our enemies, but we, we also uh, like to, we also honor family and uh, country. So thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Pinelander Podcast. If you enjoy our unique content, please consider supporting our sponsors. Soft News, providing special operations news from around the world. It's where Paul and I go to keep abreast of what's going on within the soft community. Check them out at soft.news. Blacksmith Publishing, been serving the warrior class since 2013. They have great titles written for warriors, by warriors, if you're looking for excellent reference material or just want to unwind with a great novel, be sure to check out the bookstore located at blacksmithpublishing.com. And if you're looking for some cool Pinelander apparel, head on over to the General Store located at pinelandergeneralstore.com. That's all one word, pinelandergeneralstore.com. Have a great selection of shirts, hats, jackets, sweaters, stickers, patches, artwork, and a whole lot more. Check out the store at pinelandergeneralstore.com. If you're interested in helping develop our country's next generation of warriors, uh, please consider donating to the American Agogi Project. The mission of the project is to foster an environment producing able-bodied citizen warrior men of fine character. And we'll be officially launching the project in 2023 in celebration of uh, Blacksmith Publishing's 10th anniversary. Until our next meeting, stay mentally and tactically smart, physically and spiritually strong, and socially astute.
to each other, we pledge our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. May God continue to bless Pine Land.